Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. My name is Steve Thomas. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. I'm grateful for our team, our staff, grateful for Phil and his leadership. And, you know, Phil and I are so much alike. We look alike. We're the same age. We have the same hair color. But uh, it's awesome to see God raise up young leaders, um, next generation people who can really grow and develop his kingdom for many, many years to come. Grateful for Phil, grateful for Jimmy, for Aaron, uh, for uh, our team here at First Baptist Delray. Grateful for Marissa as she is an intern with us right now, and she's um, such a blessing. And uh, so we're, we're blessed to get to be here today and get to be worshiping with you on this wonderful August morning. I want to talk to you today on the subject, purpose in suffering. Purpose in suffering. Why on earth does God allow his people to suffer? It's a question that resonates with most people today because as I'm looking at your faces, I can see that all of you have suffered. All of you have faced some level of pain or difficulty in your life. And as we look at this scripture today, I would encourage you, if you would, to consider how you have suffered or maybe even how you are still suffering because it's a very important part of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. It's often misunderstood and throughout history, many people in the church and even before the church in the Old Testament, they would assume that suffering meant that God was unhappy with them. You ever thought that? I'm facing this difficulty because something that I did in the past, I did something wrong, I I didn't live right, I've been far from God and I'm paying the price for what I've done and God's hand is heavy upon me and I'm suffering for that. And I would say that God, God does bring correction into our lives. But every time He does, if you read Scripture closely, you can see that every time God disciplines His people, His people know it. And they know why. But suffering isn't necessarily, and I would tell you today, is most often not the result of God's displeasure. And I want us to open our minds to that reality today because I feel like it cripples us as followers of Jesus. We're like, well, I'm burdened down because I'm suffering and I'm suffering because I'm a sinner. Listen, that may not be the case at all. Suffering is much more like some towns that you have to go through on the road to heaven. It's a part of the journey. When I was in high school, I had the privilege of playing a little bit of high school football. And uh, it was amazing. It was difficult. But you know what? I never, no one ever said that those two weeks of two-a-day practices in August, that that was punishment from the coach. No one ever said that. They said, oh, man, we're getting punished. We got to do these two weeks. That was just part of being on the team. 
you'd get knocked in the dust and your mouthpiece would go down in the dirt and you would pick it up and put it back in because we were men. Because they wouldn't let us do anything else. But you got back, you didn't get knocked in the dirt and say, well, I guess I belong in the dirt. That's where I belong. Got knocked down. Supposed to stay down here. Hey, don't step on me, but I've been knocked down. I'm not getting, no, that's not what it's about at all. It's when you get knocked down, that's your opportunity to get back up and endure some more suffering, right? You got to get hit a few more times. But it was part of being on the team. And every time something negative happened, if you got hit, you got double teamed, whatever happened, you didn't go, man, I think it was the coach. He's just got it in for me. He just, he just wants me to fail. No, I, I remember as an eight or nine-year-old watching those guys and thinking, we lived near the high school, and so we would go up and watch them practice. And I thought, man, I want to be on that team. On Saturdays, which is when they played high school football in, in Missouri, is, is you would, we would go and we would look through the, through the fence because we didn't have money to get in. And we would watch the games. That was the greatest thing I ever saw. Years later, when I um, had the privilege of being on that team, you know, I, I did get punished a couple of times for doing something stupid. Like, I remember one time I was throwing the ball. I was about to throw the ball back to the coach. And I didn't realize, but just as I was about to throw it, he turned his head. And I was really accurate. And I stuck it right in his ear. It was amazing. It was one of the great things that ever... I took a lap for that. I think it was worth it, honestly. But it was punishment. But I knew that it was punishment. The rest of practice was not punishment. Let me just tell you, your life today, what you're going through, is most likely, most certainly, not punishment. It's part of the journey. It's normal. I love the way that the evangelist Ray Comfort describes this. He tells the story, and you may have heard it, of he says, you know, the way he illustrates this is a man gets on a plane and he's handed a backpack, which is scary to think about it. And the backpack is a parachute. I don't know if I'd get on that plane, but let's just go with me on the story. And he puts, the, he puts it on because he's told that the parachute is going to make his flight better. It's going to make it more comfortable, make it more wonderful, and it's, it's going to improve his flight. And so he puts it on, but it's heavy and it's uncomfortable and you really can't sit down and you have to kind of lean forward and people are making fun of you. Why are you wearing that stupid parachute? So about halfway through the flight, he takes it off and he throws it down. This parachute doesn't work. Another man gets on a plane and he's given a parachute. And he's told that you're going to need this parachute because in a few minutes you're going to have to fall 25,000 feet. This will save your life. He puts the parachute on. It's heavy. It's uncomfortable. But his focus is not on the flight. It's on the reality that pretty soon he's going to need that parachute to save his life. See, Jesus himself promised, warned us, told us, told us to be ready for tribulation. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart. I have overcome the world. 
In the world, you will have what? Say it. In this world, you will have what? In this world, you have what? Write it down. But in Jesus, you will have peace. Say it with me. In Jesus, I will have peace. Don't be surprised when tribulation is a part of your normal journey. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us through the events that happened to him in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 19. Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 19. He had just come to Lystra. We talked about it last week. And as he comes in, they, they try to worship him. They say, you are you're Hermes and Barnabas. You're Zeus. You're gods. You did this healing. It's incredible. And Paul says, no, no, no. I mean, I represent a God. I am not a God. I'm a man like you. And they, they tear their clothing. This is terrible. We don't want you to ever think that. And so the people are kind of confused and like, oh, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And suddenly, some guys come in who have been after Barnabas and Paul, there's like a posse that comes from Pisidian Antioch and from Iconium, and, and these are the Jews that are like, you guys, we got to shut these guys down, and that's what's happening in verse 19. The word of the Lord says this, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, entered the city, and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. This is crazy, right? These Jews show up, and when you see that word, especially in Acts, when you think of Jews, sometimes they go, oh, those are just an ethnicity. Those are not related to us. That's... No, listen, when, it, when, they, when he says Jews, think people who believe they're very godly. I don't know if I'm touching anybody right now, but because we often think, well, we would be one of the story. Well, I'm probably like Paul and Barnabas, you know, I, I know you're probably probably can relate more to being one of the Jews because why we tend to think that we're very good. We're very godly. And 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 these Paul and Barnabas are saying that we're not godly. They're saying that the only way to be godly is to is to repent and receive God's grace. And the Jews are thinking, no, but we obey the law way better than you, so we're way better than you, so quit telling us we're bad and we're going to wipe that out. The Jews come and they persuade the crowds. They stone Paul and they drag him out of the city supposing he was dead. Now, I want to get into the linguistics of this a little bit. So if you're an English major or you know Greek or you understand verb tenses and why it's important to see what the author is trying to help us understand. The main verb in verse 19 is dragged him out of the city. The Jews came, one strong verb, but it says they persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, and they supposed he was dead. Now, if I were writing, those would be the most important verbs. But that's not true for the author Luke. The most important verb is that they dragged him out of the city. His point is they came to get rid of him just like you would get rid of trash and haul it to the curb. They hauled him out of the city. They got rid of him. They threw him out. Really important to see what they were all about. Yes, they stoned him. They thought he was dead. They persuaded the people. But in verse 20, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up, and the strong verb is he entered the city. They dragged him out, but he came back in. 
They dragged him out, but he came back in. And not only that, he went on to Derby. In other words, what he was going to do anyway, he did. The suffering, being stoned, being dragged out of the city and left for dead, didn't stop him at all from doing what God had called him to do. He was still on mission. So let me ask you, at this kind of middle part of this message, has suffering gotten you off track? Has something happened to you? Some difficulty in your life? Has it caused you to stop following Jesus? Or at least stop being on mission? Maybe you still show up, maybe you still go through the motions, but maybe it has stopped you from carrying out the mission of Jesus Christ, which is to make him known. See, Paul is stoned. He's left for dead, and he gets up and he goes back in. Also notice, and this is really important when you're going through pain and difficulty, challenge, disease, divorce, challenges with parents, challenges with children, challenges in your career, financial difficulties, they gather around him. They gathered the disciples gathered when he's left for dead the world is given up he's dead the disciples of the, of the city which were there probably only a few they came and they gathered around him and gave him the opportunity to rise back up don't go through this alone allow people to gather around you some of my people say well I, I don't know if what to say when I gather around someone, someone's hurting. I, I feel like I need to have some, some brilliant advice or some counsel to give. Not really. You just need to be there. Show up. Gather around. And you know, honestly, in a lot of cases, don't say anything. Other than, hey, I love you and I care for you. Because you don't know. Some people say, well, I know exactly how you feel. You probably don't. You may know some of what they feel. They gather around him and he rises up. And he goes on and does exactly what he was going to do anyway. He doesn't like let the fact that he has been left for dead and stoned, he doesn't let that keep him from doing what God has called him to do. About 15 years ago, um, some of you know, my cousin Zoe and her husband Todd were serving as missionaries with Samaritan's Purse in the Sudan. And they were faithful, faithful people. And one day, an angry mob came to their door, drove them out of their home, beat them with clubs, pelted them with rocks, split open my, uh, my cousin's uh, head with uh, a club, drove them to run through the streets for their very lives. Finally, they were managed to find safe haven. And they were flown out. And they were safe. It took them a long time to recover. They tried to go back to the mission field a couple of times, but God kept him in the United States. They had some other things to do. They raised a family. They're faithful in their church. They support missionaries. They counsel missionaries. They're a great couple. I talked to Todd this week, and I said, man, I got to ask you, did you ever think about not following Jesus after this? said, well, first of all, let me just say this. A lot of people suffered worse than us. I'm thinking, I don't know anybody. But he started to name people, and I was like, well, I can understand why you would say that, but I've never been chased out of my home. 
I've never been hit in the head. I've never been stoned. He said, a lot of people suffered worse than us. He said, but, I, but the thing is, we saw God's hand in the midst of the suffering, limiting what others were able to do to us. They're getting whacked in the head, pelted with stones, driven from their home. He said, I saw God's hand. He limited them. They, they weren't able to kill us. They weren't able to, to do us permanent harm, although it was painful. He said, we got to safe haven that really shouldn't even have been open. He said, there were people in the country, in nearby, who were making uh, sat phone calls to bring in help. There were planes that weren't supposed to be in the area that God allowed to be in the area to get us out and get us to safety. Let me ask you, have you seen the hand of God in limiting your suffering? Have you seen the hand of God even in your suffering? Even in your difficulty? Suffering is not punishment. If you're a repentant follower of Jesus, your suffering is not God's punishment in your life. It's normal. It's a normal part of being a child of Jesus Christ. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So get the this, get this scene. Paul goes on to Derby, which is, is 25, 30 miles away. And then he comes back. Instead of going all the way back to Antioch and Syria, which is where they were going eventually, and we'll talk about that next week, they go back where they came from. They go back to their source of suffering in order to strengthen the people who witnessed it. That's crazy. He goes back to the place that's dangerous. He goes back to the place where he could be hurt again because he knows that those people need to be encouraged. He knows that they're all sitting there thinking, well, you know, God's not in this. God can't be in this because otherwise Paul wouldn't be suffering. Paul continues to say this over and over and over again. You know, 2 Timothy 1.12, I know who I am believed, but I am persuaded that he is able, what? To keep everything that I have committed unto him against that day, no matter what suffering. Because some people say, well, Paul's suffering. He must not be of God. Listen, I hope no one's ever said that to you. I hope no one's ever said that to you because they're not right. They're the friends of Job. We sat around Job and told Job that the reason you're suffering is because there's unconfessed sin in your life. Job says, no, I'm not perfect, but I've repented of any known sin. He knew they needed to be strengthened. He told them. He encouraged them, saying, many, through many tribulations, we must enter, just as the same word that said you were enter the city, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. If we're not willing to suffer, we're not willing to follow Jesus. You see, he was able to go back to those places and speak into their lives, knowing they were going to suffer pretty much like he was going to suffer, like he had suffered. You see, your place of suffering, the thing that you are enduring or have endured, whether you've endured cancer or divorce, or uh, career difficulties, 
challenges, loss, death, death of a spouse, death of a parent, death of a child, death of a... Whatever you've gone through, that is the place where you can be most effective to help others. Your place of hurt can be your place of greatest impact. Don't miss that. Don't say, well, because I've been through this, I'm not really helpful with... No, that's exactly why you are helpful. When God brings you through something and you're still on mission, that speaks to the world, this God is a God worth following. This team is a worth being on because you've been through all the work and the practice to play in the games. Verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. See, Paul went back to those cities because he wanted to establish leaders in those churches. And he knew if he just let the the people who were against him run him out of town, those leaders weren't ready to leave, but rather he spent the time necessary to set them aside and to say, you're going to take over. And God, we commit these people to you that you're going to lead this church. You're going to lead it to the next place, to where it needs to be. Because Paul was willing to suffer and willing to return and stay on mission, those churches were well served as a result. So let me ask you again. What is your deepest suffering? The toughest thing you've ever been through, or maybe it's the top three things you've ever been through. What is your point of suffering? How have you processed that? Is God in that? Was he at work in that difficulty, in that suffering See, sometimes they don't, people don't, don't associate spiritual things with suffering. We think, well, it's just part of life, you know. We all get old. We all get arthritis. We all lose our hair. We all get ugly. You know, all that stuff happens except for women. Um, we miss what God might be doing there. We miss what God might be doing in the suffering. You see, if you believe that God really is omnipotent, you have to wrestle with the reality that he allowed you to suffer. And I urge you, please don't stop at, well, I deserve this. I'm a sinner. Please don't stop there. Because unless you're in rebellion, God is not punishing you for your sin. That's what Jesus came to do, to bear your suffering. Now, If you're in rebellion, raise your hand. No, no. We already know who you are, actually. We're going to have a little meeting afterwards. It'll be fine, really. We've got some some parting gifts for you. No. um, Some people decide, I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to claim you, but I'm going to live however I want. And you know you're in rebellion. You know it. I don't have to tell you. You know that you're not living according to to honor Jesus at all. You don't even love him. You're just hoping he accepts you when you die. That's, That's how you're living. Let me tell you, if that's how you're living, yeah, he might be doing some things in your life to bring you back. You may be the prodigal, and you may be running out of money and friends, and that's where it is. But listen, if that's true, I'm going to tell you, you know that already. You know that. Some people might say, well, I always feel like if I just tried a little harder, and this is where I can get to, I got to tell you, 
If I just tried a little harder, if I read my, I just don't read my Bible enough, I know I don't pray enough, I, I know I don't do enough, and I just feel like if I did a little more, that God would bless me more. Let me just tell you, following Jesus is not a meritocracy. You know what that is? That means you are, you are, you are always blessed for all your hard work. Listen, that's not how it works. Yeah, you need to be faithful, but God isn't standing around waiting for you just to get a little better. He's not. I got news for you. He's not. He asked you to be faithful. He asked you to be available. He asked you to be repentant. And then he promises to care for you and to work through you. See, the problem with thinking if I work a little harder, if I do a little bit more, that he's going to bless me more, it says that I can earn God's favor. And let me tell you, you already have all the favor God has. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Jesus didn't come because you're great. He came because he's great. And he came to pour his love through you as his conduit to bless the world. You see, if you could earn more good stuff from God, then you could take credit for it. And by golly, let me tell you, we will. Because we love to take credit for what God does. If you're not in rebellion, it's not punishment. It's not. It's not. Suffering is normal. It's not punishment. And let me say this. If you're not suffering at all, ever, I don't know if you know Jesus. If it's not hard, I don't know if you're on the right track. Because no one shows up for the game on Saturday having never been to practice. If you're following Jesus, there's going to be some challenging times. There's going to be some difficulty. We shouldn't be living in a way that says, man, I just want to involve, I just want to avoid all difficulty, all pain, all suffering, then you're not on the team. There's no team you can be on like that and be successful. Let me just say this. When you think of your greatest point of suffering, can you trust Jesus with that? Can you say to Jesus, I'm good with whatever you bring into my life? Because I know that whatever you bring into my life, you are helping me know you at a much deeper level. You're helping me love you with all of who I am. And you're helping me love others. Because you're positioning me to be a blessing in the lives of others. Can you receive that? Can you let go of any anger or displeasure for God because he has allowed suffering in your life? He allowed his son to suffer in the most undeserving way of anyone that's ever lived. Suffering is not punishment. Suffering is normal for followers of Jesus. We need to stay on mission. Stay on mission. Stay on mission. Continuing to help people know Jesus. That's what your mission is. That's all you really need to think about. How can I use whatever's happened in my life to help people connect to Jesus, to know Jesus? That's my mission. 
Don't let the enemy say, well, God doesn't love you. That's why they had that car accident. That's why you had that disease. That's why your wife is mad at you. Listen, that's not how God functions. Stay on mission. I will love him. I will praise him through whatever storm and whatever difficulty, whatever suffering comes into our lives. And finally, look for those that you can encourage. Those who are facing suffering. Everyone is. Everyone will. Some are facing the similar suffering that you've been through. And you can help them. You can help them be what God wants them to be. You can help keep them from falling off track. Say, well, I don't like this parachute. I'm getting rid of it. No, you understand that what God is doing is preparing you for what's next. He's preparing you for the game. He's preparing you for the most important thing you'll ever do. He loves you. He's not punishing you. He's making you like his son. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.